Hello, everybody, and welcome to Engaged in Rec. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Laura Elliott, and she is a gerontologist, educator, and program coordinator for Dimensionability Methods, the Montessori Way. And this program, I absolutely adore. Um, it made a huge impact in my career, the early stages of my career when I was able to take this course. Um, and I'm just so excited for you to be able to share this with all of the listeners. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Are you able to tell me a little bit about your background with senior recreation, how you came to the position that you're in right now? Absolutely. So I kind of had a funny way of getting into this field. Um, I actually uh, started my career in the restaurant industry. I graduated from Queen's University, so Kingston all the way. Kingston, <laughs> that's where I am. Yeah. Um, and I graduated in drama and psychology, so I'm sure all my recreation friends are very familiar with creative arts therapy. Um, and that was kind of my goal. I actually wanted to support students because, um, as many people know who are from Kingston, Queens actually has one of the highest suicide rates in all of Canada. And I wanted to help to support students to find alternative ways in which we could support them um, and support in turn support their mental health. And I wanted to uh, focus on creative arts therapy as an alternative means of supporting students. Uh, so I did my dissertation on it um, and did like a little uh, study on it, trying to find ways that we could support them. And I plan to come out of school and go into that field. But I stumbled into what kind of every student stumbles into and ended up in the restaurant industry. <laughs> and <laughs> I um, was actually working for the company Kelsey's. I'm sure many of you have, know that restaurant. Oh, yes. Um, and I was um, actually uh, invited to be a new store opener trainer. So I was a um, educator for Kelsey's opening up new stores and I was working 16 hour days. I was a hundred percent miserable. I was never oh. had a place. Yeah, it was, it was busy, busy, busy job. Um, and I came home one day, just so upset, so done. And my mom's like, why don't you just come and work with me for a bed? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like working with your mom, like, oh. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, fine. Just like temporarily. Well, the day I started working with her um, and moving forward from that, um, a lovely la lady named Peggy Lewington, AKA my grandmother, she was diagnosed with vascular dementia um, and she was living alone in the community. And it got to the point that she had to come and live with us because we had to support her um, on her journey with dementia. And the more I worked with her, the more I saw what my mom was doing, uh, the more I realized that I, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave uh, this job because I saw how hard it was for us uh, supporting someone with dementia. It's a 36 hour day. I was going to school. I was, um, I was working full time. I was supporting her and her and I, we were just, we were totally exhausted. Don't get me wrong. There was absolutely beautiful moments in caring for her. Um, but it was hard. And I said to my mom, I was like, I don't think I can leave. And do you want a successor to your business? And she's like, oh. I've never wanted anything more. I just didn't want to pressure you. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell everybody who is your mom? Because yeah. some people might not know that. 
So my mom is Gail Elliott. She's also a gerontologist and dementia care specialist. Uh, she started her journey at McMaster University, uh, where she later retired to start Dementiability. But she uh, created the program at McMaster, but um, was able to take it with her when she left because she was uh, the creator of it. And it started as Montessori Methods for Dementia. So many of you might be familiar with that. We yes, asked, that's, that's yeah. the program that I was taking. Yes. So, a couple years ago. A couple years ago, yeah. So <laughs> that would have been quite a few years ago. Um, we actually don't refer to it as Montessori anymore, which might be a tidbit for some people that they might not be aware of. Oh, okay. So we don't refer to it as Montessori because um, we are working with older adults. We mm -hmm. want to focus on abilities, and that's why it's dementiability. And so we've removed the focus from Montessori because it's so much more than that. It's multidisciplinary. It is um, recreation, for example, has such a strong influence in what we do. So we want it to be more about the disciplines and less about Montessori. Um, so we have actually slowly come away from that term um, in order to focus on the holistic approach that is dementiability and all of the disciplines that come together in order to put it into practice. I love that. And I want to apologize because I had mentioned before Montessori Methods for Dementia because that's what I was familiar with um, when I took the course. So thank you for letting me know um, the changes in terminology there. I actually thought it was a great opportunity to to share that with the world because a lot of people still refer to it as Montessori when they're putting it into practice. And this is a great way for us to kind of explore that um, with people who are, are currently using that platform or this platform and other platforms to kind of say, hey, do you know what this let's focus on abilities. Let's focus on what the person can do. I love that so much. That's great. Are you able to tell me a little bit about uh, dementiability, what it is, what the course is like, what um, any of the basic, I know this could take a really long time, uh, <laughs> but if you can give me the tidbits of it, um, it's so important and I love it. So I yeah. will let you take the floor. Okay, so dementiability helps to remove the focus from uh, disability. We, whenever you hear a definition of the word dementia, it's all about loss, what the person can't do. Well, we want to come away from that. We want to focus on what the person can still do. We know that there's a lot of remaining brain function. We know that there's still a lot that the person can do. And what sometimes happens is there creates a stigma of what someone with dementia can or can't do, et cetera. So how do we enable the person to be the best version of themselves by setting up the environment for success, setting up wayfinding and cueing and task breakdown and activities to engage them in life and living every day? And that's my other favorite word, which is why I love the name of your podcast, is I love the word engage. Oh, how, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> how am I going to engage people in life and living? We know that there's a five-minute attention span and a lot of people living with dementia. So what am I going to do every five minutes in 24-hour day to give someone meaning and purpose, give them something to do? And what they'll learn when they come to the workshop is why we're seeing behaviors. We offer a unique model that shows people that there is there's something like 0.01% of responsive behaviors are actually due to the dementia and due to the damaged brain. 
the rest of the behaviors that you're seeing are due to human condition, due to things based off of what we would do if we were in the exact same uh, position with or without dementia. And so it offers a unique perspective of allowing the individual to be the best version of themselves. And the reason it's a two-day workshop at the Dementiability uh, Methods is because there's so much we have to understand in order, we, in order to figure out, okay, now how do we get to the point that we stop treating behaviors and we start preventing them? Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing in healthcare. We're very, very reactive rather than being proactive. And I absolutely, hope, yeah. And I hope that our model can allow individuals to kind of change the way that we're doing things. And what research shows is that what was once a one hour intervention of trying to bring down behaviors, if we can use like activity programming, if we can match strengths and wellness to the person's um, histories, et cetera, we can actually bring them down in five minutes. Oh, that's so great. I remember a time when I was working in long-term care, actually, that I had a lady who was constantly pacing, um, very agitated all of, all of the time. And she used to be, you know, the person that um, puts pictures into frames at stores. Like if yeah. you were to go into Michael's and she would be the one that would put your picture into a big custom frame. So that was her job. And so I ended up getting all of these extra frames and um, photos and things like that and being able um, to provide those to her. She knew exactly what to do right away as soon as she had those frames oh. in her hand. Totally, uh, like the responsive behaviors diminished, um, was calm, at ease. Exactly. So that's one of my success stories, I guess, is um, I love just that. finding the things that these residents um, enjoyed in the past and trying to implement them into their daily routines in order to keep them at ease, I, I guess, is what I'm thinking. And, and that's just it. And I think that sometimes people forget that there, there is a person behind the dementia, that they are a person with the past, they're a person with the present, but most importantly, people forget that they're someone with the future. Mm -hmm. So how do we provide days that it's not going to be a, oh no, I have dementia, that means I won't be able to do anything. It'll be, okay, I have dementia, how can I do things a little bit differently? That's similar to who I always was in the past, but you know, modified to, to help to support my changing brain. For sure, and for that lady that um, was doing the frames, we ended up, it was her job, so every day she would have the activity, um, the daily activities, and that would be her job, is to put it into the frame for the day. So it was a really important role and gave her a sense of purpose as well. I love that, and that's exactly what I wanna see. I wanna see jobs, roles, activities, and days with filled with meaning, purpose, and joy. Yeah, absolutely. So we educate uh, recreation professionals from across the entire um, world, honestly. Um, and what we have found is that recreation and dementiability go hand in hand. They are based off of a lot of the same research, a lot of the same practice, but more than anything, one of the things that I would say is one of my biggest pride moments that I love is I actually teach a lot of recreation professionals before they go into the field. 
Um, so we have a lot of students, I'll go to like Mohawk College or Seneca, or they teach it at Seneca, I haven't taught there yet, but Georgian College, etc. And what happens is we have students who never considered a job in geriatric care, all of a sudden saying, hey, do you know what, long-term care actually seems kind of cool, maybe I'll start looking for a job there. And I think we're starting to break stigmas. I think we're starting to show what's possible. Um, but even recreation professionals who have taken the workshop while they're in the field have found a new approach to putting things into practice. We're seeing less large group programming and having to porter to and from places. What we're seeing instead is tailored activity programming that people can do individually. We know that smaller groups foster friendships. We know that we can help to uh, create exactly what you were talking about with your lady, customized programming that they really, really enjoy based off of who they were in the past. So we're, we're helping to create a new way of doing things that it's not... Um, we're trying to meet the needs of everyone at the same time. It is very person-centered that we're doing this one person at a time um, and doing this in a way that it's going to not only benefit the resident, but in turn also benefit the staff. And I also feel that um, sometimes people look at the recreational programs and think if you don't have 15 people in a circle playing balloon badminton that the recreation professional isn't doing anything, yeah. um, which is totally not the case, I exactly. feel. Um, if you're doing one-to-one -one activities or small groups that are meaningful, you get a better outcome, I would say, compared to the 15 people in a large group. And, and that's, I think that's exactly, you nailed it on the head. And I think that what happens to you at our workshop is, what I have found is that the recreation professionals also feel validated when I say this isn't just recreation's job. Everyone has to do this together as a team because there is not enough recreation staff to meet the needs of every single person in the organization. It has to be everyone's responsibility. Recreation takes the lead in terms of knowing what to do, what's going to be successful. But then why not when a PSW goes in to provide care on their way out, why can't they engage the person in life and living um, to give them something to do? Why can't, when the person's going heading to the dining room, they have an hour before the meal starts, why can't the dietary staff set them up to help them to set the table before mealtimes? So what yes. we're also promoting is multidisciplinary teams coming together. And I'm gonna tell you, I have uh, staff from all disciplines, um, nursing, rec uh, recreation, PSWs, um, even administrators now who are not only champions of change, but they're working together as a team. And that's, I think, to me, something I want to see is everyone comes together and creates this as a priority because it's what's best for the person with dementia. And I'll say it again, I've said it before, and that will in turn support the staff. A thousand percent, yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, how has your company had to change throughout COVID, throughout this past year? It's been a transition, <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. Um, I'm not going to lie. We were very nervous um, because we were doing all in-person training um, between uh, September uh, 2019 until December 2019. I went to 12 different places across Canada um, wow. in just a few short weeks. I was traveling like crazy. And so now people telling us, hey, we're going to transition to online. We were really nervous, not only because it's a completely different platform, 
but staff were exhausted. They were completely mm -hmm. done. It was just long days and they were at their wits end trying to figure out what to do. So we started, we launched our first program in September online and we were really surprised to hear staff say to us, hey, we need this more than ever. We are really struggling when it comes to behaviors. We're really struggling when it comes to adapting for COVID, when it comes to adapting for keeping things sanitized and doing things in a new way. Um, and we have never needed this education more. And I think that was something I wasn't expecting. Um, and I feel very blessed that staff who are so tired are still coming. They're sitting through two days because they want to do more to support the person in their care. And if that isn't inspiring, I, I don't know what is. So <laughs> it has it has actually been really wonderful to see. It's the online platform definitely comes with its challenges. Um, and I must admit, I love in-person training because I get to be on scene with people and I do miss it, but it also affords, we've had people come from Nigeria. We've had people wow. come, yeah, we've had people come from Thailand. We've had people come from international because they've had the opportunity to because of the online platform. So it's had its pluses and it's had its minuses for sure. So we educate uh, recreation professionals from across the entire um, world, honestly. Um, and what we have found is that recreation and dementiability go hand in hand. They are based off of a lot of the same research, a lot of the same practice. But more than anything, one of the things that I would say is one of my biggest pride moments that I love is I actually teach a lot of recreation professionals before they go into the field. Um, so we have a lot of students. I'll go to like Mohawk College or Seneca. Or they teach it at Seneca. I haven't taught there yet, but Georgian College, et cetera. And what happens is we have students who never considered a job in geriatric care, all of a sudden saying, hey, do you know what? Long-term care actually seems kind of cool. Maybe I'll start looking for a job there. And I think we're starting to break stigmas. I think we're starting to show what's possible. Um, but even recreation professionals who have taken the workshop while they're in the field have found a new approach to putting things into practice. We're seeing less large group programming and having to porter to and from places. What we're seeing instead is tailored activity programming that people can do individually. We know that smaller groups foster friendships. We know that we can help to uh, create exactly what you were talking about with your lady, customized programming that they really, really enjoy based off of who they were in the past. So we're, we're helping to create a new way of doing things that it's not... Um, we're trying to meet the needs of everyone at the same time. It is very person-centered that we're doing this one person at a time um, and doing this in a way that it's going to not only benefit the resident, but in turn also benefit the staff. And I also feel that um, sometimes people look at the recreational programs and think if you don't have 15 people in a circle playing balloon badminton that the recreation professional isn't doing anything, yeah. um, which is totally not the case, I exactly. feel. Um, if you're doing one-to-one -one activities or small groups that are meaningful, you get a better outcome, I would say, compared to the 15 people in a large group. And, and that's, I think that's exactly, you nailed it on the head. And I think that what happens too at our workshop is 
what I have found is that the recreation professionals also feel validated when I say this isn't just recreation's job. Everyone has to do this together as a team because there is not enough recreation staff to meet the needs of every single person in the organization. It has to be everyone's responsibility. Recreation takes the lead in terms of knowing what to do, what's going to be successful. But then why not when a PSW goes in to provide care on their way out, why can't they engage the person in life and living um, to give them something to do? Why can't when the person's going heading to the dining room, they have an hour before the meal starts, why can't the dietary staff set them up to help them to set the table before mealtimes? So what yes. we're also promoting is multidisciplinary teams coming together. And I'm going to tell you, I have uh, staff from all disciplines, um, nursing, rec uh, recreation, PSWs, um, even administrators now who are not only champions of change, but they're working together as a team. And that's, I think to me, something I wanna see is everyone comes together and creates this as a priority because it's what's best for the person with dementia. And I'll say it again, I've said it before, and that will in turn support the staff. A thousand percent, yes, yeah. totally. Um, how has your company had to change throughout COVID throughout this past year? It's been a transition, <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. Um, I'm not going to lie. We were very nervous um, because we were doing all in-person training um, between uh, September uh, 2019 until December 2019. I went to 12 different places across Canada um, wow. in just a few short weeks. I was traveling like crazy. And so now people telling us, hey, we're going to transition to online. We were really nervous, not only because it's a completely different platform, but staff were exhausted. They were completely mm -hmm. done. It was just long days and they were at their wits end trying to figure out what to do. So we started, we launched our first program in September online and we were really surprised to hear staff say to us, hey, we need this more than ever. We are really struggling when it comes to behaviors. We're really struggling when it comes to adapting for COVID, when it comes to adapting for keeping things sanitized and doing things in a new way. Um, and we have never needed this education more. And I think that was something I wasn't expecting. Um, and I feel very blessed that staff who are so tired are still coming. They're sitting through two days because they want to do more to support the person in their care. And if that isn't inspiring, I, I don't know what is. So <laughs> it has it has actually been really wonderful to see. It's the online platform definitely comes with its challenges. Um, and I must admit, I love in-person training because I get to be on scene with people and I do miss it, but it also affords, we've had people come from Nigeria. We've had people wow. come. Yeah, we've had people come from Thailand. We've had people come from international because they've had the opportunity to because of the online platform. So it's had its pluses and it's had its minuses for sure. Um, would you find that due to COVID where people aren't able to connect with their family members or their loved ones that um, behaviors may have increased because they're missing that connectivity? I've heard 
Um, absolutely. And like loneliness is our, our second reason for responsive mm -hmm. behaviors. So a hundred percent. But on the other end of the spectrum, I've also heard staff say, we've also seen some reduction because there's less noise and we know um, noise leads to a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, we know that excess noise leads to a lot of agitation. So they've seen some reduction in other areas too. But I would say loneliness in general is actually something based off of the research I've done um, when I did my master's of gerontology. I did a lot of research on loneliness and they actually said that in some cases it's led to early death. So wow. I, yeah, so like I truly believe that it's unfortunate. A lot of people have equated it to the individual has been in prison for the past year because they haven't been allowed to leave their room. They aren't allowed to see anyone. They aren't allowed to do anything. And so that social death that happens is absolutely real. So I don't want to say it's been, um, it's one of those things that it has been a long year. And I've heard some people say, hey, this there has been this good thing. So I don't want to discount that. But at the end of the day, I do truly believe there's been a lot more negatives than there has been positives. And I feel like dementiability is so important to put into play when people are lacking that con that connection to other people. It's a way to um, engage them emotionally and socially and keep them involved, I would say, even if it's on a one-to-one -one basis. And I think that's what we've been able to afford people in the workshop is the opportunity to explore, okay, now how do we do this if this were to ever happen again? If this person, even if we go into breakout, how do we continue to support people in their rooms? How do we socialize people? And I think we have had, which has been really, really wonderful, we've had 12 staff, I believe, still get certified during COVID. Um, wow. There's a need. So we offer communication techniques for dementia, which helps to focus on the emotion piece um, as well as the communication piece. Um, we have a lot of uh, situations that it's more than just behaviors. We have to deal with that emotion piece first. Um, and it's, it's fair because you're working with people who are, we, we say an unstimulated brain will stimulate itself. And if someone is bored, if they're not engaged, they might revert back to an old time in their life and start to live in that moment. And so if they're living in some of the hardest days of their lives, how are we going to help that person to get through what they're feeling in that moment, right or wrong? To them, it's very real. How do we help that individual move through that. And so the communication workshop um, helps you to validate emotions, helps you to understand how to communicate more effectively with those in your care. Um, and it is uh, taught by a very, very inspiring, wonderful lady. I might be biased because it is my mom. Um, <laughs> but if you come to Dementiability, you'll get either uh, her or myself um, as well. And we also have a train the trainer program now um, that people across, uh, honestly, the world are now uh, able to teach Dementiability as well. What point in your career do you think, um, this is exactly where I should be right now. I'm really making a difference. This is it. Um, it's funny because I kind of had this moment when I um, first started working with my mom and I was with my grandma one day and I just kind of, I was 
thinking about all the stuff my mom did for years. And I was, it was a running joke in my family. I would be the last child that they thought would work with her. Um, <laughs> which is just so funny to think about now. But it's, I love the brain. I love everything to do with mental health and supporting people, allowing people to be the best version of themselves. And I remember working with my grandma and she just had this huge smile on her face because we were engaging her. We were keeping busy. I think we were at the cottage. My mom was like, let's get her to go swimming. And she just like, she was so confident in everything she did, regardless of the fact that my grandma had dementia. And I just remember thinking, I can't leave. I can't stop doing this. She's making such a difference in this field. And I, my whole thing now is all I want to do with my life is I want to be Gail Elliott. <laughs> we have a very special relationship. I am extremely lucky. Like it's um, so funny because our family always laughs that we'll, we'll just be in the car and like, we'll just be on the phone with each other. Maybe not even talking about anything. Just like, we just like to be in each other's company We're, we really are best friends. <laughs> Is it hard to separate the work from your mother-daughter relationship? Like, do you have times where you just stop talking about work? Um, yes and no, because even like in our personal lives, we'll bring in work too. But I don't think it bothers either of us. I think that we're actually pretty good at finding that, that balance. Um, and we are, I'm not kidding, we are the same person. Like we have to be at the airport three hours before the plane takes off. We have <laughs> like, we love a good cup of coffee. Like we are just so similar that really, I'm not kidding. Like we work so wonderfully together and our colleague Leanne, like we always joke, she's just one of us because she is, we couldn't do this without her. She is wonderful. So honestly, the three of us, we check our egos at the door. It is, it is teamwork. And I'm not even just saying that for the podcast. It is, I am very, very, very lucky to get to do what I do with them. I find that if you love what you do, then it's not really a job at all, right? It's more of a lifestyle for you. So it just is who yeah. you are. And, and that's just it. And the only time I feel like I have to work is when I have to wake up early because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Are you a night owl? Uh, nope. I'm just a chronically sleepy pigeon. I just love to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Can you tell me about any interactions that you had with seniors? I'm sure you've had a lot of interactions with seniors that just sticks in your head. What's one time that you'll never forget? Um, I'll never forget my very first day working in a long-term care home in Burlington. Um, and I was so green. I was so, so, so new. And I like said to the staff, I'm like, put me to work. What do you want me to do? And they're like, okay, well, we have this resident. I'll call her Mrs. B. Um, and she's new. We want to get to know her. Would you mind going in and collecting some details? I'm like, perfect. Let's do it. So I go into her room and I walk in and I'm like, Mrs. B, good morning. How are you? Did you have a good sleep? And she's like, can you calm down? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my God. I'm like mortified. I'm like, oh my God, I can never work in this industry ever again. I've already gotten yelled at by my first resident. This is horrible. And I was literally panicking. 
And I had, I learned the hard way about care and compassion. <laughs> that is <laughs> that fourth reason for responsive behaviors, that care and compassion is not about being lovey and dovey and everyone calls me bubbly is the word I've always gotten. But with some people, you need to work with them where they are. And this lady, she was an accountant. She was from Scotland. She was a very by the book lady. And so as soon as I started acting like a business professional, she started um, liking me to the point that I would go around and I would um, set things up on the floor and she would mess with me and follow up, up behind me and do the activity and then run away and watch me come and look confused <laughs> when it was done. So she and I got to know each other very well. She was someone, she used to live in the community. Her and her sister would just chain smoke all day long. They had no schedule. And so coming into long-term care, she was constantly asking when lunch was because she never had a schedule at home. So using the techniques from dementiability, I taught her how to use an agenda and how to know when like meals were. And the staff came to me the next day, they're like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? Did I, did I break rules? What happened? <laughs> and they're like, she's not asking when meals are anymore. And that was the first day that I was kind of like, okay, phew, I can do this. <laughs> so oh, that's amazing. She is the, I would say she is like the, the one resident that I hold very dear to my heart because she gave me a run for my money, but she show, also showed me the benefit of dementiability with that. So it started off as one of those experiences I'm sure staff have all the time. <laughs> that it's like, okay, that did not go well. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of transitioned into having a relationship that she liked to play pranks on me. And I always love people who like to play pranks on me. That's always, that means that we like each other. Um, how can listeners learn more about your company? So um, you can check out our website at www.dementiability.com. The A is shared. So it's dementia and ability, but the A is shared. Um, and then you can check out our social media. I've had a group of students who have recently taught me how to be cool and had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so we've uh, been trying to really push our, our social media game. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Pinterest. We have a weekly segment on Mondays and it's called Because We Care, where we spotlight a frontline worker uh, during COVID-19 and how they've been able to continue implementing dementiability. Um, so if anyone has had great success putting it into practice, please email me at laura at dementiability.com. I love to brag about some of the things that you're doing because I just think recreation is so vital to care, to providing quality outcomes for everyone in all stages of life. Uh, so please let me brag about you. That's something I love to do. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Laura, for coming on to Engaged in Rec and letting us know all about dementiability methods the Montessori way. Um, it's such an amazing program. I'm definitely going to take it again because you can never stop learning at all. Um, and I just it, I really appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. It is uh, really exciting to get to share this with the world. And uh, again, I just have so much time for recreation. So um, thank you to you for everything that you have done throughout this. I'm sure it's been it's been a trying time. And look at you. You are you launched a podcast. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> have a wonderful day. And thanks again. Thank you. You too. Bye.
There we have it for today. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'm so thrilled to have you here. As always, I'm just a recreation therapist looking to help other recreation therapists out, giving you the tools, the resources, and all of the fun that's available in the world. I hope you have a fabulous day. Check me out next time.